Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Interestingly, Abacus Polling today released information. I just want to read you a tweet from David Coletto, who's one of the principals at Abacus. He tweeted, here's the evolution of at Justin Trudeau's public image since 2013. More people dislike him and really dislike him today than during SNC scandal, trucker convoy, and any time during pandemic. First time, 50% plus negative in our tracking. That's Abacus, and that's from David Coletto. Uh, looking at um, a couple of numbers here before we talk to our guest. Approval of the federal government is sagging, writes Abacus. Today, 34% approved of the government's performance, down 4% this month, while disapproval has spiked to 51%. Up five points in two weeks, the highest number ever recorded since the Trudeau government was elected in 2015. And what else do we have here? The uh, survey finds 51% of Canadians offering a negative view of how Justin Trudeau, of Justin Trudeau, which is the highest number we've recorded since 2015. Today, 31% have a good impression of Mr. Trudeau, which is also the lowest number we've recorded. All right, let's talk about all of these political developments. And we're joined by Professor Dane, Dwayne Bratt, political science professor at Mount Royal University in Calgary. Dwayne, no real surprise, I guess, at the abacus conclusions, but the numbers are interesting. Yeah, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of different reasons for this. Um, you know, some of it related to just how long Justin Trudeau has been in office. But I would go back to quoting James Carville and say, it's the economy, stupid. Um, inflation is high. Interest rates are rising. Uh, that's not good for any incumbent government. And uh, as a result, um, Trudeau has, has taken the heat for that. And uh, when you think about this time last year, it was all, you know, Trudeau, liberals leading in the polls. There was going to be an early election for him to uh, get a majority that didn't quite work out the way he wanted it to but i think his advisors were correct that the economic situation was going to get worse before it got better and he was probably smart now in retrospect to go early yeah he he's certainly not done himself any favors in the last few months particularly when it comes to oil and gas when it comes to the uh, the issue of the carbon tax when it comes to now the situation in the in uh, the Prairie Provinces with fertilizer emissions. We're going to be speaking with uh, Premier Scott Moe tomorrow. Let me just ask the studio to remember to call uh, Jean Charest's office again. Call them again, guys. Find out what their plans are, if they have any plans, beyond September the 10th. I shouldn't be saying that, should I, Dwayne? Beyond <laughs> September the 10th. <laughs> That's when they decide who the Conservative leader is going to be. Um, well, it's, maybe it's, John Shirey is prepping for the debate he's going to have with two other people. Yeah, that's another one, isn't it? So the so the party okay's a third debate, which John Shirey wanted. He wants it bilingual. Pierre Polyev's not going, so John Shirey wants the party to find the Polyev campaign. Uh, Dr. Leslie Lewis isn't going to participate because she wants certain things entered uh, into the debate that maybe won't be, and so it's going to be as it was in Calgary. Jean Charest, Scott Aitchison, and Roman Baber, or Baber. In other words, who cares? Yeah, I, I guess I'm being a little, a little, a little dismissive, but I'm not far off the mark, am I? No, you're not, and that's why Polyev's not going. If Polyev was going, you wouldn't be so dismissive of that. 
which is why Charest wants him. If you're trailing, and by all accounts, Jean Charest is, is trailing, then you want another shot at the front runner. And if you're the front runner, you're not going to put yourself in any sort of, of jeopardy. So this doesn't just occur in leadership races. <clears throat> this occurs in elections all the time. Anytime, whether it's federally, provincially, locally, these local election forums, you know, how often do we hear the, the incumbent or the front runner just simply not showing up? And when they don't show up, interest drops. Yeah. Would you explain something to me, please? Why is Jean Charest trying so hard, except for right now, why, why is he trying so hard to become the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada? He's a nine-year premier of Quebec. I think it was nine years. He was premier of Quebec, and I lived there for nine years recently. Uh, he's been the conservative, progressive Conservative Party leader um, nationally. He's doing extremely well. He has no issues financially. He was a uh, uh, made, made major corporate lawyer. So why is he trying so hard to become the Conservative Party leader? You know, that, that is a good question, and I think there's two, two reasons. I think one is when politics gets in your blood, it's tough to get out of that, right? And so, you know, Jean Charest traces his career back to the 1984, you know, when he was in his early 20s and he was elected for the first time. Uh, and then he becomes a cabinet. So he's been a cabinet minister. He's been a party leader. He's been a premier. What he has not been is a prime minister. And so when your whole life has been politics, um, it's tough to get that out of your blood. It, it is a virus in that sense. And I think the other is he really dislikes the message and the trajectory that Pierre Polyev is, is trying to take the party. And so I think those are the two driving reasons why Sheree is, is doing this, because you're right. He doesn't need to do this. No. <clears throat> and it's like the boxer, you know, going back in the ring one more time. You know, this is, this is Ali, you know, in the mid-1980s, trying to replicate the Ali of the 1960s. Because Sheree, who, who was always kind of the young guy in politics, now all of a sudden looks quite old. He does. He actually does. And I, I just want to talk to the studio again. Excuse me, Dwayne. Guys, it's great if you know something, but I should know too. Can you write something in the comments box and let me know whether you have spoken with Charest's people, whether he's going to join us or not? Can you just put something in the comments box for me? Because I can't read your minds. Um, so is it a foregone, essentially a foregone conclusion that uh, Polyev is going to win the uh, the conservative leadership? I don't think you ever say never. Uh, you know, things, uh, strange things happen in, in votes, especially given you've got 650,000 apparently CPC voters, and a lot of them haven't even voted yet. Uh, so there is a path, but I think that path really got hurt when Patrick Brown was expelled as a, as a candidate, because I think Charest's path was sign up a lot of members in, in Ontario and Quebec <clears throat> and then finish ahead of Patrick Brown and get Patrick Brown supporters to join you in sort of an anti-Polyev coalition because he couldn't do it on his own. But all the people that Brown signed up and we're hearing numbers of close to 150,000, the question is, are they even going to cast ballots because Brown isn't there? 
So if they're not going to cast ballots, then they're not going to put Sheree as their second choice. And so, you know, um, it, it's not a foregone conclusion, but it would be a major upset if, if Pierre Polyev is not the next leader of the Conservative Party. So Pierre Polyev becomes the next leader of the Conservative Party. Now he's going to be confronting Justin Trudeau in Parliament. Trudeau's looking at numbers like he's going to see today from Abacus, and he knows what's happening. He knows what the what the what the landscape is. Does he leave before the next federal election, which a majority of Canadians have told uh, Ipsos and Leger that they want him to do? Do you think? Uh, do you think he leaves? You you would think. You know, he's been a party leader since 2013. <clears throat> You know, he's been prime minister since 2015. And bear in mind, he has an agreement with Jagmeet Singh and the NDP to hold on until 2025, which is a long time away. And a lot can happen in that time period. So is he, did he create that pathway so he could, uh, you know, leave at his choosing? But as I just mentioned with Sean Charest, there's something about politics that gets into the blood of politicians. And they always want to relish one more, one more attack. You know, one it's more pretty, battle. It's a pretty and, nice and lifestyle. Con- and the contrast with Pierre Polyev is so stark. Is that enough to try to keep Trudeau in the in the race? Yeah, I, I don't see Justin Trudeau doing too well debating Pierre Polyev. I may be wrong. You yeah. may prove you may prove me wrong, but I, I just don't see him having the legs in twenty twenty two to do that. Yeah, and I mean, that, those are the questions that, that, that Trudeau himself is going to have to face. I mean, it's not a good time right now, obviously, but time is on Trudeau's side because of that agreement he made with, with Singh. And so while inflation is top of mind right now, uh, is it going to be top of mind eight months from now, a year from now? Uh, I don't think uh, I don't know what it will be, uh, and I'm hoping we're not in a period like we were in the 1970s and early 80s, where inflation was an issue for for a very long period of time. Yeah. Um, but governments don't do well <laughs> with high inflation, and when you combine high inflation with higher uh, rising interest rates, I mean that's that's a death knell for for government. And it wouldn't matter what Pierre Polyev is pitching. He would just be seen as the alternative, and uh, they would toss Trudeau out. But that's today, and and you know crystal balls are tough. And a year from now, yeah, he who lives by the crystal ball learns to eat ground glass. Was the old line. Let's talk about the uh, the rise and the fall of Jason Kenney. The the other night there was the UCP leadership debate, and uh, please share your thoughts on that. And uh, what happens in Alberta now that Jason Kenney's leaving? So it's always tough to do polls, and I know polls have come out of the leadership race. But unless you have a poll of the actual members of the party, all it does is provide some sort of information. It doesn't really help you to handicap that. But I have thought that that Daniel Smith um, has been the front runner, and based on the debate uh, Wednesday night, the other candidates believe that Daniel Smith is the front runner because she was the focus of the debate. Um, she got a lot of airtime 
because the nature of the debate, the rules would be, I would ask you a question, Roy, you would answer it, and then I, as moderator, would say, and who on this stage do you want to debate? And they pretty much all said Daniel Smith. And so she was on there a lot, trying to defend her Sovereignty Act, defending some really awkward, uh, in some cases, insensitive comments that she made about cancer patients, and uh, she was the real focus of the, of the debate. Travis Taves, uh, who is the former finance minister, finance minister under Jason Kenney, tried to take a lot of credit for the balanced budget um, that he produced and the surpluses that he produced, but he was being attacked by the other candidates because he is seen as you know, Kenny 2.0, seen as the party establishment candidate. So I would say those two were really put on the hot spot on, on Wednesday. Is this the fall of Jason Kenney, or is this just a, uh, a chicane in his career? A big one. I don't know how he comes back from this. I think his original plan was to leave federal politics, come back to Alberta, be the conquering hero, and then go back and, and save the, the federal conservatives from those dastardly liberals. Uh, but how do you do that when you've been drummed out by your own party in the conservative heartland of Alberta? So on October 6th, we will know who the new leader is. The moment that that person is sworn in as premier, Jason Kenney is no longer premier, and I don't know what the next step of his career uh, I don't think it'll be in electoral politics, but I don't know what the man is going to do now. Yeah, it won't be any tag days for Mr. Kenny. He'll do he'll do very well for the rest of his life. He's been extremely successful in the political arena. So what happens as far as, uh, in a minute or so we have left here, Dwayne, what happens as far as Alberta politics are concerned? Where's the province headed? Because it's hugely important in the dynamic of this country now, perhaps more so than it has been. Well, whoever becomes UCP leader is premier of this province for um, on you know after the October sixth vote for about seven months. Uh, we have an election scheduled in May of 2023, but this government is also dealing with a massive surplus. Like we're looking at estimates of anywhere around 12 to 14 billion dollar surplus because the price of oil is just so high that money is just flowing in. But that's not being equaled with jobs. And so it's not quite a jobless recovery. Um, but the jobs that are coming back are not the $85,000, $90,000, you know, uh, truck drivers in Fort McMurray, rig worker jobs. And so there's a huge opportunity um, for the provincial government with all of this money. Um, but there's still a problem because that money okay. isn't flowing throughout the entire province. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.